talking to Scroll in episode 91. I'm Ket. Joining me as always, Davia Starjumper. How you doing, my friend? Doing well. Doing well. well. Good deal, man. I am glad to hear that. We are nearing the end of 2022. It's almost the end of the year. Uh, so uh, kind of in a reflective mood here. Was um, How was 2022 for you, Davis? You have a good year? Yeah. I mean, we're talking, are we talking like out non-ESO year or ESO year? Just talking about uh, in real life. Real life, 2022, probably, this seems crazy to say it, but I'm going to do it. Here I go. Okay. Top three year of my life. Top three. It's making top I believe three. it, man. Yeah, you had a heck of a right? year. Heck of oh, a year. yeah. Heck of a year. Yeah. Just some, some, I mean, just great job situation, great new kind of living situation. The wife got a promotion or, or a better job, not a promotion. Got a better job, yeah. Yeah, heck, I, you know, I've got that Husqvarna riding mower. Got the Husqvarna <laughs> riding mower, have my, have my mower beers, you know. Yeah. Got all the land to mow, you know, it's just, it's been a good year. Nice. Yeah. It's a good year for me too. I don't think, you know, I don't really, I didn't really have any major life changes. It was just kind of like a, a cruise year for me. You know, we're just kind of yeah, you, you, cruising right along. The year that I had, you've done, you did the year earlier, correct? Yeah. Or maybe like two years. Was early. it two years early? Okay. You know, I just followed, I just followed your path. That's all. That's all. I <laughs> well, so it, it being near the end of the year, we're going to, we're going to kind of reflect back on ESO and uh, just talk about all the the major things that have happened in the game uh throughout the year so we're just going to start um with the first quarter and work our way all the way down and just kind of recap all this stuff so let's just start with uh quarter one q1 with update 33 that was the ascending tide uh dungeon dlc that was the beginning of this um legacy of the bretons year-long adventure that, that mm-hmm. has been concluded now mm-hmm. um so the biggest thing that happened with that update is really the biggest thing that has happened all year, which is skill hybridization. Right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's just totally different game now. Uncle Sam, thanks for joining us, man. Good to see you. Oh, welcome. Um, so, Davis, we've had this hybridization thing for almost a year now. Where, where are you at on it? What's your verdict on the hybridization? You like it? You think it's good or, or what? I do like it. I, you know, I feel like the skill hybridization was really the... Um, I don't want to say the end because it can still happen. It can still exist of, of a stamina or a magicka version of a character. There's still oh, yeah. ones and twosies out there, but overall for the most of the characters, I feel like this was kind of the end of the, of the stamina and magicka characters. Um, but yeah, I actually really like it. This is, it's kind of gone to this level of, of every, every character and every build you see now is usually has its own unique twist. Even if it's two characters that are trying to do the same thing, there's still just a little bit of differences happening, and uh, I, I'm all for the hybridization. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like uh, a great example is um, like I have a like Sam and I we have we each have a Nightblade that are very similar, um, and like you know if we were to each kill you back to back, and you look at your death recap, they'll be identical. Exact same <laughs> abilities are being used, but I call mine a Stamblade, and Sam calls his a Magblade even though you can't tell the difference just looking at them, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that kind of stuff is, is kind of neat. I know people are kind of divided. Uh, some people, they don't love the hybridization. It, they kind of feel like diversity has actually been decreased now because now there is just kind of one Nightblade build that is the best Nightblade build, and there really isn't a Stamblade or a Magblade or whatever. But 
I don't think I really feel that way. You know, like in that Nightblade example I just gave, there are differences sort of under the hood of those builds, and they have different strengths and weaknesses because of that as well. Uh, Stam Sork, another good example. Grizzly Khans is, yep. Uh, Well, and I feel like another great part about this is that it really opened the door for if there's abilities out there that you really like that you may, you know, may, say there's an ability out there that you really like, but it just doesn't fit on a character because you were either stamina, stamina or magicka. This kind of really lets you utilize those abilities that you like, whether you like the animation or you just like having that ability on a build. You can put that ability on any build now. Uh, I, I, I don't know about you, but when I'm putting a build together now, really the only thing is that I need the spammable to cost the same where my sustain is and outside of that like i don't even look if it costs magic or stamina i'm just looking at what it's going to do for the build yeah for me i just equip wretched vitality and then i don't <laughs> worry about the that's your cost answer at all. there you go that's <laughs> yeah. true that's true um mother dragon says she runs a sam sork yeah that's the that's the sork that we all run is actually the sam sork uncle sam's official um, scrolling podcast uh execute sork <laughs> um but what I really like about this hybridization is kind of what you were saying. Like you can really just dial a build in just exactly perfectly. Or like like whatever your build is missing, whatever kind of pain point there is in your build, you can you can find a solution to that that is just the exact perfect solution. So I, I really like that fact. Um there may have been some like certain types of builds that have been lost in the process, um, because there's just a better version of those builds possible mm-hmm. now, but for me, I feel like the the good kind of outweighs the bad uh, overall, and I do still think there are differences. Like I have a Stamplar and a Magplar, and they're both totally different builds. They 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 do different yeah. things. They have different, you know, different things going on. And I would even say that that me and you are really probably lower on the totem pole of people who like this is really helpful for. You know, me and you. you I don't know how many characters you're up to now. I think it's thirteen. 12, yeah. 13. Yeah, 13. Uh, you know, I'm at 10. Um, you know, for the players out there that have two, three characters, like this is fantastic. Like they don't, they're able to, they don't need two Templars. They don't need two DKs to utilize the skills they want to. They can kind of take, you know, what used to take two different characters, you can kind of combine that into one character and and get all the abilities that you want to use on one character now. And, you know, they're like the, the pure Magicka, pure stamina builds, a lot of them do still exist. Like we've been talking in recent episodes, like um, like Dizzy Swing, Stam Sorks are some of the strongest builds out there right now. And those are pretty much just pure stamina builds. Yeah, and they, yeah, they can definitely still exist out there. It just, you kind of have a choice now. So that's probably like the, yeah, the, the most significant thing that has happened all year was kind of like the very first thing that happened. Right at the get-go. Yeah. Uh, at that same time, all the um, abilities that give you your major damage buff or your major crit buff, they now give you both the Magicka and Stamina versions of those. So like Camo Hunter, you know, gives you both crit buffs when you have it slotted. Um, that goes right along with that skill hybridization, just makes it easier to, to get the bar setup you want to have. Uh, this is also the patch that the Rallying Cry set was introduced, and that's been um, like a staple like defensive. Yeah, that one's really, really blown up. That's really become a big time set. It has. It's one of those that you can almost just count on someone on your team having that. You know, if you're just mm-hmm. like queuing up in the solo queue, almost certainly someone on your team is going to have Rally and Cry. And it's a super strong set. It basically doubles your base crit resistance. You, yeah. you have like 40% critical mitigation with that set on and a little bit of extra damage as well. Really nice. So that's that's Q1. That's basically the the big stuff there. 
In the second quarter, Q2, update 34, that's the big high aisle chapter, the paid expansion. Uh, that's when we got the new card game. Davies, you dabbled in that just a little bit. I think you've pretty much moved on, or have you gone back to it at all? I haven't played maybe since that first week. Yeah. I think I think there was a day that I played like maybe a month later because I needed some transmute crystals. And if you have a new character and do some card game, you can get transmute pretty quick if you go through the tutorial. But yeah, it didn't uh it didn't hook me in as uh as much as I thought it would. I still do not know how to play. <laughs> like with the the high aisle expansion, there were there was a quest in there where you had to play some NPCs, but I just like did not even know what to do. So yeah, I, you didn't have to win to, to you know. Us. I said this when Q2 came out and, and a little bit afterwards, and I kind of still stand by it. My biggest thing with the card game is that I, I'm a big fan of card games. I really like them. That nothing's changed on that. I just didn't expect it to be such a full blown time consuming card game. I think I would have more appreciated like a more faster paced, quick game that I could do while in the BGQ or while I'm, you know, doing other things, like just some in between. And it kind of is more designed like, you know, how we, we log in, we're in the BGQ, we're talking and we're, we're going to do BGs. Like if you're logging in and you're wanting to play this card game, like you're logging in to play the card game, you're queuing up for the games. Like that's going to be the main focus. And I wasn't really looking for a main focus card game. Like when I log in DSO, I want to do other things, not necessarily a card game. Yeah. So we got a card game. Um, they also improved the quick slots. We have the, the multiple quick slot wheels now, so you can have all your you know allies on a wheel and, and all that stuff. That's actually something I appreciate quite a bit and enjoy uh, a it lot. It is it is very good, but I I'm, I I don't like this. Um, I don't I don't. Is it a bug or is it just something yeah. that happens? Yeah, it came with this bug. Yeah, I I got that wheel gets stuck, and you just get stuck scrolling, and it's very difficult to get out of. Yeah, that's happened to me a couple of times. Yeah, that's really frustrating. But, but in general, I really do appreciate that uh, the improvement there. Um, also, that's the patch when Oakensoul was introduced, and that pretty much oh, defined yeah. the PvP meta for that patch. We had all those perma-corrosive Dragon Knights running around with that major heroism. Uh, Nightblades were kind of a terror with that major force that, of course, they were stacking with minor force and everything else. That was probably the best Nightblades have ever been. Was that patch? Yeah, there, there was a yeah. Oakensoul was it was it was it was a little over the top that patch. Yeah, and, and even now, I mean, it's been nerfed since then, but even now, it's a pretty prominent mm -hmm. feature of the game. You know, it's it's it has changed things for a lot of people. Yourself? Oh yeah, for sure. My favorite mythic. It is, it is. Um, you know, you have your kind of uh, uh build setup and. You know, I think I, Oakensoul's be kind of kind of become that base foundation for for my build setup. Yeah, and it's it, it really is a great addition to the game. Like, yeah. um, I'm going to talk a little bit later about a, a friend of mine that he lives somewhere where he has like a really poor internet connection, and he's been playing a long time, and he always struggles in PvP because of bad performance and bad internet connection. But because of Oakensoul, he's actually managed to put together a build that works really well for him, even though he's in that situation. He's been doing better than I've ever seen him do here lately. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, so Q2 High Isle, that was also when Sorcerer's uh, Crystal Weapon ability was changed so that it applies to your next two light attacks instead of just one. Uh, so that's when we started seeing all those really uh, vicious bow sorks that were using the Savage Werewolf set. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and that was basically, that was that meta in my memory was like dragon knights that were never not in corrosive, uh, super deadly night blades, uh, and bow sorks. Yep. And the bow sorks. And then in Q3 with update 35, this was the Lost Depths uh, DLC, another dungeon pack. This was the one that was very like a very tumultuous oh, PTS, uh, a super unpopular patch in general, not just on PTS, but even when it went live, um, not a well-received patch at all. This was the beginning of this ultra tank meta that we're still in right now. Uh, Mara's Balm was introduced that patch and it's like, you know, super broken state that it was in at that time. Um, it's still very strong. Uh, a lot of damage was just removed from the game, like light attacks were nerfed, dots were yep. nerfed, uh, molten whip, jabs, sub assault, crystal weapon, just a lot of damage just taken out of the game. Uh, Empower was deleted from PvP, heavy attack builds deleted from PvP. Uh, Savage Werewolf, Dark Convergence, Plague Break, all nerfed. Um, basically, everyone has minor resolve now because that was added to Vigor. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the same time, Wardens were buffed. So they're, therefore, they became more popular and they're making everyone around them more tanky. So it's just a lot of stuff uh, adding up to make an extremely tanky meta that we're in right now. And, you know, with these Warden buffs, I feel like I, I would like to feel good about Wardens getting buffed and kind of being more uh competitive now and i think if it hadn't been for all this other stuff like you know if, I, if my templar still had her old jabs and her old power of the light you know if empower still worked in pvp yeah if all this damage wasn't taken out of the game i might be able to take on some of these newly buffed wardens and have a chance of taking them out but as it is they've been buffed so much and every everything else has been nerfed so much i just there's no chance i just steer clear of wardens pretty much so that all started here in Q3 with update 35. <laughs> Going over um, that list there. Yeah. Uh, that, was the, that was the early version of Morrow's Bomb too, before the nerf, which... Oh, yeah. Like, just like the brain dead. Like, that, that was one... You, you would see troll builds out there that would just, like, walk out into the middle of a fight and just stand there, not even hold the block button. Do, they would do nothing. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, not die. That's, that's what they were... You, you try to you kill, them, kill them. You couldn't kill them. There's nothing you could do. Yeah. It was a it was a silly time. Um, at the same time, sticky hots were nerfed, so like um, radiating regen and the intensive mender and all those kind of abilities. Uh, ground AOE hots were buffed at the same time. Uh, Nightblades got some buffs, namely with concealed weapon uh, Templar. That's when they started getting their big nerfs. So like Jabs got that new animation, and it's way way weaker now. Um, Burning light was nerfed, but then they did get that twenty three percent buff to the beam. So the beam plar was born. Yeah, thus began the era of the Beamplar. <laughs> thus began the era of Beamplar. <laughs> and then that's also when Warden started getting their buffs. You know, they got a bunch of different buffs. The The biggest one for this particular patch was uh, Arctic Blast, uh, which I actually really like the change that they made to Arctic Blast. It's just in combination with all the other things, it's a bit much. Rapid Strike's got its new animation, um, and it is possibly the best melee spammable in the game now. It's, it, it's very good. Um, and then this is the patch when Oaken Soul got nerfed, or fixed, really, right? It's actually like a reasonable, good item now. Yeah, I actually, I like this ver. I like, I mean, obviously I use Oaken Soul quite a bit now, but I like this version of Oaken Soul than what it originally launched as. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you didn't even touch it until we nope. got this version. Not until it got this nerf when I actually mm -hmm. started using it. 
Yeah, I think this version of Oaken Soul, the one that we have right now, is awesome. It's a great addition to the game. It's not overpowered at all. I think it's just exactly right. This is also the patch when we started getting uh, these Battleground Weekend events with, uh, you know, like Crazy King Weekend and, and all that kind of stuff. This didn't quite pan out like we have thought oh, yeah. so far, but, you know, they're, they're still there. They're still there. Still no Deathmatch Weekend. Still waiting on that one. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling they're just going to scrap the whole Battlegrounds Weekend. <laughs> they'll just get rid of they... it before, before we get to that rotation. Yeah, they'll just I... be like, you know what? We decided it wasn't a good idea, so we're just going to stop doing it, and we will have never gotten a Deathmatch Weekend. You know, I... Um... We, you, you had mentioned how kind of crazy this PTS was, but I feel like that this PTS really, uh, you know, there's a lot of changes when this happened, but the PTS of this, you know, just, I think it deserves another mention of just how up and down it was. And I think that, oh yeah, it kind of created the, the, the weird meta that we've kind of been in right now. It, that, that PTS was so up and down that I don't think you know, just an opinion, but I don't think they got it to where they actually wanted it, but they kind of ran out of time, and then we've kind of just kind of gone on from that point. Yeah, totally agree. And yeah, you remember that was a very unusual test cycle, like all the way down to the, the very final week, you know, we were reading those patch notes like, what in the world <laughs> yes. is going on here? Uh, just every single you. week was some new surprise, some new like list of surprises that was like, it seemed like they had an idea, like they had, they did have a vision and they got a lot of feedback or, you know, they just realized that maybe it wasn't going to work out the way they planned. And so they started trying to alter course. And now I think as a result, that vision isn't so clear anymore. You yeah. Know, they're trying to figure it out now. I agree with that. So that's pretty much all for the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter, this is, you know, you are here. This is the patch we're in right now. Update 36, the Fire Song DLC. Um, as always, it's always just a story DLC, so it's just like a, a zone with quests and stuff like that. The new feature, kind of the big new feature that they kind of came out with for this patch was the target markers system, which I was actually really excited about, but um, they still don't work in Battlegrounds, which is the only place I would really use them. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a bummer, kind of missing out on that feature. Um, and I guess it's intentional by now, because yeah. there's been some maintenance patches, and it still doesn't work. Yeah, I don't think... I don't think they're gonna gonna have those NPGs. That's a bummer. Seriously, the one and only place I would use them. Um, so uh, that's also when they introduced Emperor scaling in Cyrodiil. I actually haven't heard many people talking about that, which tells me it's probably not it is not a disaster at least. Um, Templar's got yet another nerf with the backlash, the 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 base ability mm -hmm. of Power of the Light, big nerf to that ability. Uh, Warden's got yet more buffs, including the <laughs> absurd 12% bonus damage to all damage done when wielding a Frost Staff. Um, and then the Tales of Tribute card game meta was turned on its head with the introduction of the Druid King Ooh, card deck. Oh boy, Druid King deck. It's out there. <laughs> I'm it just kidding about there. the meta thing. I have no idea what's going on <laughs> with the card game, but you we got that heard deck. From Ket's mouth first, the meta deck out there, <laughs> Druid King. That's the one. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, that's basically the the big stuff that has happened this year. Surprisingly short list. A quick summary, a uh, little recap of that. We got skill hybridization in Q1. We got Oaken Soul in Q2. 
Uh, Q3 started the beginning of this ultra tank meta with warden buffs and Templar nerfs and a lot of just general damage nerfs. Uh, and then in Q4, we got more warden buffs and more Templar nerfs, mm-hmm. basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Grizzly Khan says, ironically, yes, the Druid King deck is very strong. Okay, and there you have it. Oh, see, there we go. Hey, you do know your meta in the card game, huh? But, um, yeah, I was surprised when I was putting our outline here together and kind of tallying everything up. Like, okay, what all happened this year? Because if you remember, we did a similar retrospective last year mm. and we ended up with like a, a long list of like really great things that had happened you know and it's like kind of an eye-opening i enjoyed that episode last year because we kind of looked back at everything and you're like you know what they did a lot of great stuff this year that we kind of are taking this time to acknowledge that and i enjoy that by comparison man this this year is not even close not quite there the skill hybridization was cool and you know it's a it's a game changer mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i i enjoy that you know, but that was way at the very beginning of the year. You know, we've gotten hardly anything since then. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy that we have Oakensole. You know, I use it on almost all my builds now. Skill hybridization was great. Um, Q3, I mean, I, I, the only way I can kind of say it, Q3 was kind of a mess. And, you know, I yeah, will say that they they started, they went in the direction of cleaning up that mess in Q4. Like, Q4's definitely been better than q3 and so except doubling down on the warden absurdity well yeah aside yeah. from that <laughs> but that yeah, is aside. true otherwise i agree so um there you go that's 2022 so looking forward into 2023 um we've kind of concluded that it's our it's year kinda safe it, it's kind of safe to feel optimistic about 2023 yeah. you know like We're kind of, you know, we're a little bit disappointed in 2022, of course. Um, But if you remember back at the very beginning of this cycle, back back at the beginning of 2022, they did give us some pretty clear messaging, some expectation setting of letting us know like, hey, it's going to be kind of a dull year. You know, they didn't use that language exactly, but they were definitely setting those expectations. And this year, so so far, the messaging we've received is, hey, we have some exciting stuff planned for this year. Just you wait. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, exactly. So just going off of messaging, you know, last year they told us to temper expectations and that's exactly what they delivered. So, you know, if we can believe what they say so far, they're telling us this year, this next year is going to be exciting. So, um, yeah, we're going to be optimistic and let's make some predictions about 2023, some stuff that we're either hoping is going to happen or that we think might happen. Davius, why don't you go first? What are your predictions for 2023? Here we go. I, I, I'm excited about this. I'm, I'm, I, when you, we were talking about this and even just kind of preemptively thinking about this, you know, got the, got the juices flowing and I'm, I'm excited for these predictions. Obviously not all these I think will come true. Most of these probably won't, but I, I, you know, I've said it. I'm, I'm pumped for this 2023. I think this is going to be a big year. My hopes are up. I've said it anticipation is high and so kind of how i did this is that i kind of ranked my my predictions into kind of a a low medium and high and really kind of what i mean that's low is kind of the low hanging fruit medium is kind of it would be bigger stuff and then the high is just it would be it would just it would check all my boxes that's the a plus dreams are coming true dreams coming true so so to start off with the low start off this is my low hanging fruit and i i really would i'll just say this if they accomplish 
these low hanging fruit, I would be happy. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a happy player in ESO in 2023. Mm-hmm. The first one, new battleground maps. Yeah. Need some new maps and battlegrounds. Very easy. At least one. Yeah. I, it's, it's such a low hanging fruit. I think it would, I honestly think it would take maybe the development team a week from design building to having it ready to go for to create a bg map like it is very simple they're not very big it would be awesome just give us a new layout i think that would be huge just some sort of new battleground map yeah um, that's just like table scraps for yeah, the pvp community you know we would like, just, we're getting no content yeah we would love that we'd have so much fun with that uh so much fun my next low-hanging fruit and this is low-hanging fruit because it's very easy to do but boy would this be a biggie Deathmatch Q back. Bringing it back. Man, that's the only thing I need, Ooh. honestly. If they did nothing else the whole year, that's, that's enough for me. I think, you know, like I said, I got high hopes. I think this is the year. They've done enough with the tampering and the weird and the, and the objectives and the, all the different cues. I think this is the year that they might say, here's the button back. Go have fun. Man, I want to believe you. I don't know. I feel skeptical <laughs> on that one. <laughs> That's I, the low-hanging fruit. Right. Easy to do. That would be super but easy. Would be massive for yeah. for players. Uh, think how many. Just think for a minute how many just phenomenal PvP players would would come back to this game if that got oh, brought yeah. back. Just the yeah, old names times would be way see. faster. Oh yeah. That's my low-hanging fruit. So so moving on. This is your more medium level. This is bigger stuff, but would still be. Unbelievable if, if we could see see something like this. Doesn't have to be exactly this. You know, I'm probably providing a little too much detail, but you know, I, I'm having fun with this. Sure. First one of these new weapon line. Mm-hmm. If I get a choice in the weapon line, I'm going to go with pole arm. Yes, pole arm weapons would be yes. Sweet. And kind of what I mean by that is is that you could you could build off a pole arm weapon line. And you would build it like the Destro staff in the sense that you could have different pole arms. You give it a spear, a halberd, a pike. Uh, yeah. There's there's a whole bunch of different types of pole you arms. Different passive based, yeah. based on what kind. Or yeah. even like two-handers are that way. You have maces and axes. Exactly. And you know, yeah. Build it where the passes are different. Uh, and you can have all of those under that pole arm and have a little bit different de- you know, details and passes based on which one you're using. But a whole new weapon line. Um Man, players would love to have a spear-like or polearm-like weapon in this game. They would go nuts with it. Oh, they're so fun. In like uh, the Souls-type games, those are my favorite weapon types to use. Which, by Mm -hmm. the way, Elden Ring's new PvP arena mode comes out tomorrow. Free DLC. Ooh, little drop there. little hint. Um, But I just think there's so many cool things you could do with that. I mean... You know, right now you have kind of your melee weapons and you have your ranged weapons. You know, pole arms, they're long. They got reach. It could be some sort of middle range type weapon. I don't know. Like, I just think there's so many cool things that could be done with that. Um, Players would would love. I think that would be a huge addition to the game and players would flock and love that kind of new type of content. And that's like not something that they have to come up with any like lore justification or anything, you know, it's just some weapon that is, you know, like a medieval weapon that exists. Absolutely. No problem. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so moving on to my next medium, you know, my medium range item, um, a new skill line, but a new guild skill line. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you like know, Sigic Order. Yeah, Sigic Order, Fighter's Guild, uh, Mage's Guild. You know, those. there's so many different, like, guilds in this game or groups of organizations in the lore of this game. You know, if you can give Sigic Order their own skill line, you can absolutely do that. Uh, you brought up a great one when we talked about this. Sword Singers. Give Sword Singers their own skill line. That is a fantastic oh, yeah. one. Uh, one that I thought about was the Companions. If you could, you know... Have a have something have a side quest with the companions. You can get your own skill line. That would be fantastic. Players would love that. You know, uh, I think it's wouldn't be very difficult to do. You know, you don't have to. Uh, add, you know, the Sigic Order didn't add any new weapons or anything like that. It was just kind of one skill line with some passives with a couple animations. And so a new guild skill line, uh, I think, could be huge. And the Sigic Order, you know, was a huge addition to the game. People loved that. It added up a, a lot of things to the game. And so I think if you did a new guild skill line, you could really kind yeah. of mix up mix up players, and especially with the hybridization, you know, you add in a new guild skill line that could you know could be part magic, part stamina. I think it could just be huge for players. Yeah, we we need something to spice up the combat system. You know, some new addition to the yeah. combat system to to breathe some new life into it. Absolutely. Something to make you kind of think twice and, and kind of start looking at your ability bars and think, okay, do I need to, you know, are these worth some spots to, to change things up? Cool. All right, now we gotta, we're moving on to the high. This would be dreams come true. Uh-huh. These two are both pretty big, I'll admit. Very biased. Absolutely. The, uh, the first one of these is a new character class. And new I think class. I mean, that's the dream right there. That's the dream. That's a the new ultimate class. thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, if I'm picking the class, I think I may have mentioned this, but I'm a little biased on this. I'm looking for like a barbarian, berserker, you know, pure, just Viking type warrior class. I joked with you if the name of the if they wanted to name the class uh, Thane, let's do it. Release a new <laughs> class, Thane name it Thane. We're set. <laughs> goes back to Nord lore. There's a bunch of Thanes in Nord lore. They're barbarian berserker types. It would be, uh, it'd be fantastic. I, honestly, you know, that's the type of class I would like to see. I think you could do a lot of stuff with that. The tricky thing that I think ESO has done is that a lot of their classes cover so much of the generic video game classes. You know, like, yeah, like the archetypes are kind of yeah, all represented. they 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 cover a lot of archetypes, but I do think this is kind of the one that they don't have. They don't have this kind of full out warrior right now. That's kind of DK, but DKs are kind of these elemental, really tough, tanky decked out warriors. They don't really have these kind of pure rage. Uh, yeah. you know, armor doesn't matter. Just kind of wild. I think that there's so many cool things you could do with this class with like, you know, war shouts and, and, you know, battle, battle yells and all sorts of, you could have so many ideas you could do with this. And I just think it would be so cool that you could do, uh, obviously, you know, a bunch of different melee type stuff, but I think that would be a very cool class that they could add to the game would be awesome. But, you know, we've, we've heard talk about a monk class. I know there's a bunch of, uh, uh, players out there that would love to see that in, and there's, there's still archetypes out there that they haven't covered yet. And a new class would be, that would bring, I mean, that would just, that would just, all of us would forget 2022 if they bring a new class to the game. We're all super pumped at that point. Kind of feel like a monk would be tough to make a whole class out of, but uh, my my idea for that has always been like a, a skill line, like an unarmed skill mm-hmm, line. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Like you can make a skill line that's just, you know, you have some active skills and then a bunch of passives, but those passives are only active if you have no weapons equipped. Uh, and it's like, you know, they should be powerful enough passives to compensate for having no weapons. And of course, you could only use the the active abilities if you have no weapons equipped as well. And that way, anybody could be a monk, you know, with a, the flavor of a dragonite or a sork or whatever. Yeah, that would be very cool. I mean, I and think that'd be that easy. would that'd be easy. That'd be easy. Easy thing to add. Easy to do. And I, I do think that would be another thing players would be excited about. Oh, yeah, that would be great. I would love that. And you, you could even have like, you know, a weapon on the back bar, unarmed on the front bar. You know, you could mix it up. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I hadn't even thought about that, swapping it up like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, my Oaken Soul brain over here. <laughs> <laughs> right. And now for the final one. This one, this one I just think would be so cool. I just think it would, uh, it would be cool for the game itself, kind of going back and just nostalgia about ESO. And I just think it would be cool based on uh, kind of what they did with the recent story. They, they talked about all three faction leaders. And so it just is kind of funny to me as you go through the current, and I haven't finished the, the, the Q4 storyline. I think you, I think you've finished gone all the way through it. Nope. Oh, well, <laughs> neither one of us then, but I just, as I was doing the, the, the first part of it, you know, the, the starting part, it's just kind of funny to me that there's like, in the game, there's this like massive war going on. All three factions, just you know, all these players slaughtering each other, and then the three leaders of the factions are all on this island, joking around, like making jokes with each other, like hanging out. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's how the world really. Yeah, is. So there that's, you that's go. Accurate. That's accurate to, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I just thought that was kind of funny. So really, kind of this the high highest level prediction. I just think it would be so so cool and such a cool opportunity if they just did a full. Cyrodiil overhaul and like the year you know they always focus a year on a zone or something like that if they they did a full year that the the DLC focused was on a Cyrodiil overhaul like an update to that war an update to that storyline like focus the year on that update the zone like make it you know Maybe I would probably say make it smaller, but do something to where, you know, it, it's maybe segmented a little bit where it functions a little bit better. But I just think that would be so cool. Can you imagine like a quest line, like trying to go through a quest line story in Cyrodiil? I just think there's there's a lot of cool things you could do with that. Like this game was built like the very first thing about this game that attracted its attention was this massive pvp war zone like cyrodiil was like what started this game like that was the idea and they've shifted from that and there was issues in the beginning i'm aware of that but i just think that would be a really really cool idea to to kind of go back to the roots of the game overhaul cyrodiil you know they they have to come up with some sort of of resolution to this story and now a better time than ever with these three faction leaders are hanging out and they're talking about like peace talks and all that kind of stuff so i just think that would be a really cool opportunity as they kind of take that and make some changes in cyrodiil yeah think how much goodwill that would build towards the pvp oh, community man. who feels just like completely abandoned at this point you know it would be it would be huge mm -hmm. yeah cyrodiil has just been neglected and Imperial City 2 and Battle, really just the PvP of the, in this game in general. I mean, we haven't gotten really any new content. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Um, that would be nice, and that would be a way to, 
get some some people who aren't really typically into PvP to check that zone out, and maybe they'll get into PvP while they're there. And yep. there's definitely a lot of opportunities to kind of reimagine that whole situation. You're right; the zone is way too big, and that's yeah. the the people who don't like Cyrodiil. That's the, like aside from performance, that's complaint number one is the the horse simulator mm-hmm. uh, aspect of it, and that really does suck. If they could. You know, just shrink everything down a little bit. That would probably go a really long and way. And there's so much, and and you know, I've been in Cyrodiil a lot lately. I've I've been doing on that transmute grind, but uh, there's just so much in Cyrodiil. Like, yes, there's the keeps, and there's the war, and they're far apart and all that. But like, there's so many extra things in Cyrodiil that you just don't even think about because you don't go there for those. There's like so many little built-in quest or little there's like a little small town or this building or this little village or a delve there's i mean and they're everywhere in that zone that zone has all sorts of those types of things and so i definitely think there's an opportunity for shrinking it down the size of that i mean that's what equal to probably three or four other zone, any other zones in the game combined maybe more than that. at least yeah it's huge it is huge and uh just, I just think that would be really cool. Now, I don't expect that to happen, but I just think that that would be, that would be big time for ES, long time ESO players, and even new ESO players. I think would be excited to have some sort of update with that. I think it would just, like you said, I think the amount of goodwill that would go towards the the player community would be pretty awesome. That'd be great. I mean, I love the idea of Cyrodiil. It's just yeah. the the actual experience is always not <laughs> very great. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we've had. You know, we've had those experiences. We see, we've seen what it can be like. Yes. And you do have those, those moments when everything kind of lines up, and you actually have a good time. It, man, it's amazing. And it it's, really man, is. if it could be this way all the time, I would just spend my whole freaking life here. Cool, man. Those are your predictions. That's that's all you got. That's what uh, I think. Uh, I think all six of those are going to happen in the next year. All six. Just you all wait. Right. Okay. Just um, you wait. Heard it here first. Well, I got a few here. Mine are kind of a little more vague, I think. Um, so you can say you think, can say realistic. You can you can say that. <laughs> no, I don't know realistic. There, I just I I think I didn't try to be too specific with it, but I do think probably in the first quarter we're going to see some further refinements to this hybridization effort that um, they worked on last year. I think they're not quite done with a few finishing touches, like they. They made some comments before, like I think they're planning to combine um, the major weapon and spell damage into one buff, kind of like they did the armor buff a long time ago. You know, kind of little things like that I'm kind of expecting to happen uh, in this this next update that we got. Um, sometime during next year, I think we're going to see some Templar rebalancing. We're probably going to see some Warden rebalancing. Those two in particular, I think, have been mishandled. And uh, we'll probably yeah. see some correction on that. Um, I think in the in the chapter in the in the second quarter, we'll we will see some new addition to the combat system, whether it's a class or a skill line or a new type of weapon, something. I think there will be some interesting new addition that is combat relevant that you can put on your build. We we got to have something, right? It's way yeah, over. We got to have something. Um. I think in that second quarter, we'll get some broken mythic that <laughs> is basically mandatory for PvP, you know, something like Oaken Soul or Malakath. Breaks, or something like breaks that. the game for that for that uh, quarter. Yep, just for that for that patch there. 
Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and guess that it's going to be a wood elf focused story. I think that's kind of the least explored race so far in the game. And I think Aldemary is about due for, uh, for, uh, an expansion. So I'm going to guess wood elf is where we're going. I like that. I, that could be interesting. Uh, wood elves are weird, man. I think that could be cool. Got some weird stuff going on in those big old trees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the third quarter, it seems like they they really enjoyed uh they really enjoy shaking up the PVP meta in Q3. <laughs> it seems to be like kind of like their thing. So I think we'll see some pro- some probably some major PVP meta shifts in the third quarter. Um we'll probably see two or more like meta defining sets like uh like this year we got Mara's Balm, uh last year we got Plague Break and Dark Convergence. It seems Oof. like in the third quarter, like that's when they start making kind of their moves to shift things towards whatever new meta we're going towards and they throw in some some new pvp sets that just totally change the landscape so i expect that to happen again um and then in the fourth quarter i really don't have i don't i really don't expect much for the fourth quarter that's always just a story dlc so it'll just be a zone that we explore but we are way overdue for an arena uh Ooh, in the fourth I would quarter love DLC. a new arena that's a yeah mm, that's a great idea and the I was the the last couple of arenas they've made like they've gotten really good at it. They that yeah. team. I mean, uh, I guess the last one we had was Vatishran, wasn't it? Yeah, Vatishran was Gosh, the last one. Seems like a long time ago, but Vatishran by far the best arena. Very well designed, very fun arena to do. Really cool mechanics with the bosses. Uh, no waiting for waves and waves of enemies. Like they did a really good job with that arena. Okay, and one and one last prediction. I predict un, I'm gonna be I'm gonna contradict you here, Davius. Oh, I'm gonna predict no. that there will that there will be no new PvP content. Oh just uh, but, Betsy became negative Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I think it would be pretty easy for them to really appease the player base. You know, if they kinda put the finishing touches on this hybridization system, they fix Templar and Warden. Uh, they give us something for the combat system, just to add some pizzazz to things. Um, and, and and if they give us an arena in Q4, I think we will call this a great year for ESO if we get those things. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you. I I would. I mean, I can't. You know, I got to be honest. I would be. I'll be sad if we go an entire another year with no PvP content. Like. I get yeah. that it's not the big part of the game and things like that, but it's still a player base, and you got you just throw us a bone every now. Give and us something, just, at least one new BG. Yeah, just give us a like, little something, just a, something that lets you know that you know you still know that we're here. Or Uncle Sam in the chat is saying revamp PvP rewards. I, mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly agree. If if, if they just kind of rethink the incentives to bring people into Cyrodiil and Imperial City, and yeah, you know, make people want to go there. I mean. For in, in the case of Imperial City, that's really all that's needed, man. We'd be there all the time if there were people to fight there, you know, but there just isn't most of the time. So that's our predictions for 2023. We'll see what comes true. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe at the end of next year, we'll revisit this and see how much uh, has, uh, has come that, that actually will be fun. We got to do that. We got to see. I don't think we did predictions last time, but that yeah, would be fun to, to come back and, and take a look at the predictions. Yeah. If you can believe it, we've been playing a lot of Battlegrounds. Um, <laughs> a little bit of PvP. A little bit of PvP. 
pretty much just battlegrounds uh we had a really awesome squad going on a few nights ago it was uh davies it was you me and sam all on dragon knights and our friend slavka shout out to slavka yep he was on his main uh a night blade and he was healing us which i don't necessarily want to call him a healer because that doesn't really do he doesn't have to to be if he doesn't want to be he can (laughs) yeah slavka's an interesting player man he is like he is a shapeshifter like yes you know, he'll, he might be a healer, and then five minutes later, he's not a healer anymore. He's just, like, constantly adjusting his build based on what the team needs and what the situation needs. Super amazing player and very, very yeah, flexible. Super effective on whatever he decides to go Yeah, with. he's just, like, constantly juggling, like, six builds at a time, just, like, kind of <laughs> all the time. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, Nightblade support, we'll say, and three DKs. Turns out a pretty amazing team comp. Pretty elite uh, squad. That squad was that squad was doing things. Man, we were unstoppable, dude. That was that was some of the most fun I've had in, in a pre-made squad in a long time. And we were I mean, you had made this point, but absolutely true. We were going up some like that was high level MMR. We were going up against players that we absolutely knew, good teams, good players, and it's still it still went really, really well. Oh yeah, I remember that first match we uh, we loaded into, and we were looking at that scoreboard, looking at the names, and yeah, we saw a few people like we were getting nervous. We were all we were all on Discord and saying to each other like, "Here we go, guys! This is going <laughs> to yeah. be tough." Like I don't know about this one, um, and then we get in there, and it was quite the opposite. Man, we mm-hmm. were shutting them down. Um, so it might have just been kind of like a. Our team comp just happened to be a really hard counter to theirs. I think that probably was uh, a big part of it. Um, but it was fun, man. I think we had four matches against that team. I mean, every single time, they just didn't stand a chance. Um, super duper fun. Uh, three DKs and a Nightblade support. Try it out sometime. It's really good. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, like, seriously, that's, that's, I mean, like I said, we, we saw those names and we were just like, man, get ready. Just get ready. It's going to be rough. <laughs> Um, also Davis, you, you weren't really a part of this, but, um, we're, you and I were a member of this guild that we talk about sometimes called Ufadnar. Uh, they're a battlegrounds focused guild and they do these weekly, uh, pre-made events. Um, and they're really fun. I actually signed up for the first time just this past week, uh, to participate in that. Shout out to Skuma. He's the guild manager and he's actually been on the show before. Um, he's the one that organizes this whole event and it's really cool how it works. So, um, what you do is you sign up, you, you tell Skuma, Hey, I want to be in the event and I'm going to be bringing a dragon knight and I'm a primarily a damage dealer. You just, you just tell him what kind of build you're going to bring. And then once he has a list of everyone that's, that's coming, then he assigns the teams. He's the one who determines who is on whose team and he does his best to kind of make sure that the teams were evenly matched and evenly balanced and the, the talent is kind of spread out and it kind of ends up being experimental sometimes. Like this time we had uh, multiple Dragon Knights that signed up. So we put all the Dragon Knights on a team and, and multiple Templars signed up. So we put all the Templars on a team and he put all the werewolves on a team. So that was the theme of this thing. It was Dragon Knights versus Templars versus werewolves. Um, and it actually turned out to be a really evenly matched situation. We did three matches. Each team won uh, one match each, and they were really close fights each time. Uh, and then we did a fourth match as a tiebreaker, and the werewolves won that one. They actually tied uh, our team 
uh, in kill counts, it was exactly the same, but they, they died slightly less. So that's mm. what broke the tie there. That's like down to the final overtime. Yeah, I was really surprised at how, how close it all was. And it was really enjoyable. I mean, they were all great players. We were all like really having to try our best, you know. Um, but there was no frost spam in sight. Like there were, there were a few wardens in there, but nobody was spamming wall of frost. There was none of that. Like we all kept saying like, man, this is just a fun match. This is just enjoyable. <laughs> it's it, yeah, it's sweaty, you know, it is. And, but it's just, we're having fun. And it just kind of dawned on us like there's no frost anywhere. That's why. And that was not a rule. No one said like frost is forbidden. I think everyone just kind of agreed like silently like we're tired of that crap yeah, you know we, we want to be here. able to move in this match yeah um so that was enjoyable um so what's really neat is so the the rules for these events is it's deathmatch rules the the team with the most kills at the end wins regardless of what you know if we get an objective mode or whatever we're still just playing deathmatch but you are allowed to use the objectives and you can use them to your team's advantage like for example, if you get a big lead in kill counts, and then maybe it's in your best interest to end the match early. So maybe you want to focus the objective to end the match early so that you know you have the most kills when the match ends so that your team wins. That's actually how the werewolves did win their first match was by they got a they got a bit of a lead and then they can't even remember what the mode was, but they focused that objective until the match ended so that they they won. Kind of clever. I kind of like using the objectives yeah, in that way. That's that's, a, that's the coolest objectives I've seen used in, in yeah. an objective BG. And like on the flip side, like maybe you're falling behind and maybe you want to prolong the match. So maybe you can somehow manipulate the objective to prolong the match somehow or something mm. like that. Kind of neat. Um, shout out to Mother of Dragons and King Nar. They were on my team. Um, Mother did an awesome job just being the, the executioner. She got the vast majority of our kills um me and this other templar dude we were kind of applying a lot of upfront pressure basically being brawlers and then mother was just snatching up all those kills uh, and stealing the other team's kills and all that uh, really great job with that <laughs> just so so just slid it in there just stealing all the other team's kills just take it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and then uh, King Nar was on a just a total OP warden healer uh, that he just would not let us die. And he was also kind of like our shot caller. He was a guy kind of calling the plays and telling us what we needed to do and all that. Really, really great job of that, man. He was like level-headed and just had the, the right calls at the right time. He, he knew what he was doing. Um, so, yeah, shout out to you guys. Great team. It was really fun. I enjoyed it. Also, Uncle Sammy was in there, too. He was on one of the enemy teams, but uh, 3.4 million damage in one of the matches. Ugh. Outrageous. I think he got over 3 million damage in most of the matches. I think 3.4 was the highest one. And I think that's probably the highest damage of anyone in, the, in that whole event. He was on his DK? Dragon Knight, yep. yep. I think it's safe to say that old Uncle Sam has, has figured out the DK. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's been doing pretty good on that thing. You kind of mained it for a little while there. I was playing on Old Betsy, my my stamina Templar, my main, um, and that's really the character for the last couple of weeks that I've really been focusing on. Uh, I briefly mentioned in the last episode that there's been some developments for for Old Betsy, and uh, indeed there have been some pretty major developments. So, um, stamina Templar mains gather round. Let me tell you a story about how I got my Stamplar back. <laughs> uh, 
because I'm telling you, she's back. I feel like she is all the way back. Like I'm talking like before the jabs, nerfs, and all that stuff. Like I feel like old Betsy, she's back. Um, so part one of how I got my Stamplar back is I got rid of the Living Dark bubble. Um, and the reason I did that is because I find that survivability is very easy right now, um, but getting kills is not very easy at all. And so it just makes sense to me to start trading, you know, layers of survivability in favor of getting more damage into my build. That's, that's where I'm at with things, because I'm not going to be getting kills with, without doing that. Mm -hmm. So I'm not necessarily saying, you know, people listening need to get rid of Living Dark in particular. But the idea is look for opportunities to trade survivability for damage in your build. For me, I, uh, I replaced that ability with Solar Barrage, which is like that AoE pulse that is centered on your character. Um, that's working really well for me. But really, whatever you choose, that's, that's basically the idea. Just kind of shave off some defense in favor of offense in your build. Part two of my story of how I got my Stamplar back, I got rid of Power of the Light. It's crazy to think about. Crazy to think about, but it was nerfed pretty considerably. And, you know, I don't think it's necessarily like not worth slotting, but I do think of it as a flex spot now. I don't think it's like a mandatory ability anymore. Um, so I replaced it with the reflective light ability. That's a, a class dot. It's basically just a dot. Um, really not a special ability at all, but it does give me my major crit buff. And that's what I like about it because. Um, that allows me to get rid of Camo Hunter off of my bar, which makes room for Repentance, and that's a really great sustainability. Um, and so that allows me to switch to the uh, Apprentice Moondestone instead of the Serpent. So now I have a lot more damage in my build overall, basically as a direct result of getting rid of Power of the Light. Right? I just I traded that for a more useful ability. Um, so I'm not again. I'm not necessarily saying you need to use the Reflective Light ability. That that ability is just kind of works well in my particular build. Um, but the point is, I think you can look at Power of the Light as a flex spot. And if there's something else that's more useful, consider putting that in its place. Uh, and then part three of how I got my Stamplar back is I obtained the Black Rose Prison dual wield weapons and I slotted that Deadly Cloak ability that, that it applies to. So... Deadly Cloak, that replaced Rally, so I'm just um, getting my, my major damage buffs um, from Jabs now, which is working out just fine. Um, what Deadly Cloak is, it's another one of these AoE pulse abilities. It's, um, it's like um, Solar Barrage, so it's like centered on my character, and every two seconds it just does this pulse that does AoE damage. Um, and so I like that it, it basically is kind of like another Solar Barrage. It stacks with that. Um, and when I use my Crescent Sweep Ultimate, that leaves like a lingering... AoE pulse on my character as well. So I can have all three of those things going. And when all three are going, it's like 12k DPS just kind of passively happening around my character. And even when the ultimate isn't going, it's like 6 or 7k DPS that's just kind of surrounding me all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so I like that a lot. That, that kind of is working well for the build. Um, that Deadly Cloak ability also gives me major evasion, reduces my uh, AoE damage taken. So it kind of compensates me for getting rid of that living dark bubble. It's adding a layer of survivability back into the build, but it's attached to this ability that actually does pretty decent damage at the same time, so that's pretty nice. And then, of course, since I'm using the Black Rose dual wield, it's, that ability is giving me an extra 6% damage to all of my damage done and 6% mitigation to all incoming damage. 
I'm just getting a lot out of that. It's a really, really nice addition to the build. So that's basically how I got my Stamplar back. I, I replaced the Living Dark Bubble with something that does damage. I replaced Power of the Light with something that's more useful for the build. Uh, I got the Black Rose Prison Dual Wield, and I'm stacking that Deadly Cloak AoE Pulse uh, with the Solar Barrage and the Crescent Sweep. And those along with jabs, I basically am just kind of creating this like cloud of AOE pressure that's mm -hmm. just all around me. And what's nice about that is like those are those are AOE abilities, so they, they can't be dodged. And they're they're being applied to my character. I'm not applying them to anyone else. So they can't be cleansed or anything. Like anyone who's near me, they're taking that damage. If they yeah. want to engage with me at all, they're taking that damage. Yeah, and I would say I would say you've got old Betsy's numbers back to where they were pre these nerfs. She's she's working again. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of unavoidable damage. Those three pulses all happening at the same time with that reflective light dot and jabs all coming at them at the same time. I feel like I have the pressure that I used to have before we got all these nerfs. Um, so all that being said, her actual build, what her build is, is it's uh, wretched vitality as a back bar set with an infused bow. Um, Black Rose dual wield on the front bar. It's swords right now, but I plan to get maces. Deadly Strikes has a double bar set, the Gaze of Sithis Mythic Helm, and One Piece Magma Incarnate. So really all that changed about the gear is I, I was using the Vatishran two-hander on the front bar. That got replaced with the Black Rose Prison dual wield, uh, which is a pretty major fashion nerf. Uh, <laughs> you still haven't fully recovered from this, but you're getting there. You're getting. There. I think a Templar, like a just a giant honking greatsword, is the only correct type of weapon to be <laughs> holding. So I am missing that. Like fashion-wise, it's not as good, but in every other regard, it's it was the right move for sure. <laughs> That's basically all I have to say about Betsy. Um, I do very briefly want to talk about one other build that. I actually haven't talked about in a long time, is my Stamina Dragon Knight, whose name is Bad Sally. Last time that I was really feeling good about this build was back in the old 25% Malakath proc mm -hmm. meta. Yep. And she was, um, I mean, she was a terror back yeah, then. Yeah, she was, she was, players had nightmares about this character back in that Yeah, time. it was, it was bad. Um, she has not been the same since that meta ended. Um, so I've kind of taken upon myself to, get her whipped back into shape and i don't know if this is the build i'm totally like final on or anything like that but it has been working really well for me i'm gonna this is the build i'm gonna take into the next uh bg event that we have with um with that guild this weekend we'll nice. see how it does um so basically the gear setup that i'm using right now is uh it's rigid vitality on the back bar with a two-hander uh master's dual wield on the front bar with maces uh two pieces blood spawn four pieces Witch Knight's Defiance, and the Malakath Band of Brutality. So, kind of a weird setup. What I, what I think is kind of an interesting quirk about it is that there is no complete five-piece set on the front bar. Like, I have Wretched on the back bar, but that's the only complete five-piece set I have. Um, so I got that, that four-piece of Witch Knight's Defiance. The two through four pieces is all just uh, weapon and spell damage all the way down, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and then for the five piece, I just substituted Malakath as the, you know, the, as the substitute five piece bonus. And it's actually working pretty well. Um, don't sleep on Malakath. That, that's, um, that sounds weird given Malata Malakath's history, you know, 
Um, but I do feel like the PvP community has kind of forgotten about Malakath at this oh, point. Yeah. But it's it's still a very good mythic item. Maybe not necessarily for every build, but I do think it is the, still the best mythic item for some builds. For example, like a sustained pressure damage over time type of build, which is exactly what this is. Uh, it's extremely good. So take another look at Malakath. If, you're, if that's your kind of build where it's not necessarily all about Oh, like one single moment of big burst damage, you're more of like a sustained pressure over time. Malakath may be about the best mythic you can use on a build like that. That's actually my favorite part to this build is that you you brought Malakath kind of back from the dead. You don't even really hear about that mythic anymore. And to mm -hmm. uh, you, you put it on this build, you're using it, and this build is getting amazing results right now. I think it's, it's cool to hear Malakath kind of back out there again. Yeah, and kind of what it came down to, I was I was faced with the decision to I needed to find a way to get my major crit buff into my build because I was kind of having a hard time finding a way to get that without making a sacrifice I didn't want to make, uh, or I could use Malakath, in, in which case the crit doesn't matter. Um, and so, just with the testing I did, with you know either okay, how am I doing with Malakath versus how am I doing with having my major crit buff? Malakath just wins by by a lot, like it's not even close. So anyway, um, the offense, it's basically a dot build. The offense consists of uh, Nauseous Breath, Venomous Claw, Rending Slashes, uh, Quick Cloak, got the Stampede Gap Closer on the back bar, and then my ultimates are uh, Ferocious Leap and Corrosive Armor. And I just kind of go back and forth between those two. Um, so it's, it's basically just dots. There is no execute ability. Um, the Venomous Claw ability is the most important dot, I think. Um, that thing actually gets me a lot of surprise kills. Uh, it happens a lot where I'll like, I'll come up on someone, I'll put uh, my dots on them and then like the fight will get interrupted or they'll get away or whatever. And I'll just forget about them. And then like 15 seconds later, I'll get a notification on my screen. You killed so-and-so. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that guy. <laughs> uh, and it's like, you know, little did I know they've been struggling for their life that entire time. You know, the, uh, well, I'm just like fighting someone else now. Um, but it's because this venomous claw, that's a big part of it. Uh, this thing is really, really strong. So the, the base tooltip on my character here, it's about 25,000 damage over 24 seconds. So it's, you know, a little over 1k DPS, um, but the damage increases by 12% every two seconds and it ticks every two seconds. So basically every tick is 12% more damage than the last. So when it gets up, towards the end of its duration, you know, you're looking at like seven, eight K ticks from this thing. Yeah. It's huge. And if you have your other dots on them at the same time, I mean, it's a lot of damage. Um, so for that reason, be sure not to recast this on people early, you know, let it, let it tick for the entire duration. Look at that, uh, ability timer. And if it still has some time left, let it keep going before you cast it again. Um, yeah, really, really the, the most important ability on my bar, I think, as far as damage goes. Uh, second most important would be rending slashes because I am using that master's dual wield. It turns that into an incredibly powerful dot. Uh, not quite as strong as the venomous claw, but still very strong. Um, but also it turns it into your spammable um, because the, the bonus damage applies to the initial attack as well. So it, it's over 10k tooltip for the initial attack and it's cheap enough to be a spammable as well. So when you have all your dots on someone and you just need to spam something, uh, rending slashes uh, is the thing to spam. But it's a really good build. It's very effective against tanky builds. I've found like a, you can't really, or 
me, I can't really burst tanky builds down. You know, I can kind of get them close, but then not quite, and then they just heal all the way back up, and that's the end of that. But with a build like this, with like a sustained pressure, I get these dots on them, I can just kind of slowly wear them down and, and burn through their resources. I found I actually can kill some Wardens once in a while in some of these tankier builds, kind of playing the long game rather than, than the short game. One of my favorite things about the build, too, is that you don't, you don't really have an execute on the build. Um, which I feel like is kind of, I don't know, kind of rare in, in today's, you know, climate. But this build gets a lot of kills and the damage is just through the roof. And I just think it's, I think it's really cool how it operates in the sense that you get plenty of kills with the build without actually using kind of the one, of, you know, one of those dedicated execute abilities. Yeah, I was kind of fretting over that, like trying to find the bar space, like I need spin to win or executioner or something to kind of finalize those kills but once i finally just kind of let go of that everything kind of snapped into the pl into place and i'm really happy with where it's at now mm -hmm. you know we like our builds a lot of times sometimes um just a theme or something will take precedent over something that's <laughs> yes. maybe more functional you know what i mean uh, we do that all the time we that's a that's yeah. a curse yeah it's like yeah i know this is functionally better but i just like this so i'm just gonna do that <laughs> yeah. um so anyway, that's all the builds I have to talk about. Davius, I know you have like a whole bunch of stuff going I, on over I, there. You know, what? so I, I'm I'm gonna do this a little bit different than I usually do. You know, just like you did there, I'll usually talk about kind of builds that I've been playing on recently and talk about their results and kind of go into the build and and what the build is and how it's working. I'm gonna change it up a little bit this time. I I've been kind of in this theory craft mode. I I have uh, um three or four characters right now that I'm fully overhauling builds on. I, I just kind of decided, all right, I want to change up how it works and I'm going to, you know, kind of redo the build. These are all just current builds I'm working on that I've got pieces of gear, I've collected it, but I haven't fully pieced them together yet. And so they're actually completely untested builds uh, for the most part, but uh, I really feel good about the idea and I like the idea to it. And so it's right now, they're just kind of very early on in the theory crafting stage. You know, maybe in the next episode, we'll, we'll, we'll come back with some updates and, and uh, I'll tell you if it went horribly or if, or if, or if any of the builds are actually uh, working out. <laughs> um, the, the first one I want to talk about, this is definitely the one I'm most excited about. I, I, you know, I talk a lot about these potential werewolf, bu werewolf builds that I'm going towards. I think that, you know, the last one I talked was about, you know, speeding up the light attacks and ramping up the light attack damage. Never put it together. You know, I liked the idea of it. And I, I still think maybe there's potential with that build, but it didn't get enough excitement out of me to actually put the build together. This new werewolf idea for this new build, uh, I feel pretty good about. Uh, Gift of the Rift. That's my that's my Nightblade. He's my werewolf character. I don't really play him as a Nightblade. He he mainly just lives in werewolf form. But uh, the idea of the build is it is uh, an Oaken Soul. Throw the Oaken Soul on there. Get all those buffs. And then the the key part of this build is uh, the two five piece sets of uh, Warrior's Fury and uh, Void Collar. Which, just kind of a reminder, what Fury is, is that uh, basically every time you take damage, uh, your weapon and spell damage is increased by 24 for 5 seconds. And then when it reaches 20 stacks, the duration doubles, but it can't be refreshed, so then it kind of restarts. 
What Void Caller is, is the exact copy of that set. It's just the Magicka version. So the two sets are exactly the same, except for the three piece. One gives Magicka, one gives Stamina. But the exact same five piece where Void Callers, when you take damage, your weapon and spell damage is increased by 24 for five seconds. So now by putting both these sets on there, now every time you're taking damage, your weapon and spell damage is going by up by 48. And so it doubles that bonus, and so it actually ramps up to a much higher level. And since it is a werewolf, I think that's kind of a benefit in that regard, because you and I both know, you see a werewolf, you start, you start beating I mean, on the werewolf. You've that's, taken plenty of damage, that's for that's sure. That's right. You, you focus the werewolf. And so um, really all the build is is Oaken Soul, five-piece Fury, five-piece Voidcaller, and then one-piece uh, Magma Incarnate, just for some extra recovery. Um, the weapon and spell damage when both those five piece um, ramp up and, you know, with the other regular buffs of the build uh, gets to 8,230 um, weapon damage. And it basically you're in a werewolf form. That howl is kind of your spammable. The tooltip for that howl in the build editor is 17,500 just for Very the spammable. Nice. <laughs> so uh, I feel pretty good about this. It's like what jabs used to be. <laughs> the old the old school jabs. We're talking old school jabs level. Um, so I feel pretty good about this build. I've actually already got all the pieces to the sets. I, so it's, it's much farther than my usual werewolf ideas go. I have all the pieces to the set. I have it on the werewolf. Right now it's just kind of getting the glyphs put together and getting some of the, the pieces golded out. Um, but uh, that's one of the ideas. Like I said, it's very in the early stages theory crafting, but that's one that I'm really excited about. Cool. The next one I want to talk about is the old uh, Bear Claw the Nord himself. You know, I haven't changed this build idea. He's still all about point blank snipe. You know, the main part of that build is still there. Um, Oaken Soul, point blank snipe, and Baylorg. Um, utilizing that shimmering shield, to, you know, where you can use that ultimate. You can get that Baylorg proc to where that point blank snipe hits really hard. Uh, the biggest thing with this build that I've been trying to figure out is what I want that five piece to be to go along with that. Um, I've really just been looking for, you know, just like a massive amount of damage so that when you utilize that point blank snipe, you know, that's that's really all you're doing is just sub assault and point blank snipe. And so really what I'm looking for in this build is just some sort of uh, more more damage, more way to get that point blank snipe where it hits even harder. Uh, it's all about just completely ramping that damage. And so, you know, point blank snipes into, you know, when you play high level players, that's a hard ability to land. People recognize that sound. They're going to try to dodge it. They know that they kind of get out of the way. Uh, being at point blank range does make it a little easier to land usually because people aren't quite expecting it as much. But um, mainly just kind of searching for a five piece set that, that ramps up the damage. And, and right now, currently, I, I'm, I've settled on Clever Alchemist. The ideal kind of combo would be to, to proc Baylorg when you're at that 500 ultimate, pop a potion, and then just kind of have an insane point-blank snipe going off. Still tinkering, once again, like I said, another, another it's very much in the theorycraft stage. And then the next one that I want to talk about, and this will be the last one just kind of in the, in the, it's in the theorycraft under construction mode for me right now. You know, recently I talked about uh, the never-ending Nord. I, I, I put Oaken Soul on him, and I kind of turned him into just kind of a more regular support. And he worked really well. He was a good healer. He had good CC, but, uh, you know, it hurt my heart a little bit. The never-ending Nord, one of my favorite named characters that I have. 
And he's all about, he's supposed to be this, he's supposed to be never ending, supposed to never die. And that build set up, you know, he was a healer, so he's tough to take down, but I wouldn't say he was never ending. And so, uh, you know, kind of went back to the drawing board and tried to come up with an idea of what can I do to actually make him never ending? And so uh, the, the theorycraft build idea I have for him that I settled on is uh, one piece Oakensole, sticking with the Oakensole builds, and then five piece uh, Mars Bomb, and then five piece Robes of the Hist. Mm-hmm. Um, the Robes of the Hist is after being hit by a disabling, immobilization, or snare, you heal for 2,000 health every one second for five seconds. A hundred percent of the time, somebody is trying to disable, immobilize you, or snare you. Like that's just that's just always happened in, in a BG. So, yeah, um, especially a healer. Yeah. So the idea is, is that this this you know never ending Nord. He's going to be never ending. He's just constantly getting healed from his own sets. But he's going to be a healer. He's going to be very difficult to take down. Uh, with Oakensoul, I can get his spell damage up to a decent level, and so he's just going to be throwing out strong heals. Uh, going to be throwing out that totem for CC, um, and I think I think this build's going to work pretty well. Uh, once again, very much theory crafting mode, but I'm pretty excited about that one just to see how never ending it uh, it can become. Yeah, yeah, I am uh, interested in seeing that dude in action, and really, I just kind of want him to be my pocket healer. <laughs> you just you just want it, you just want that uh, you just need the healer of that yeah a healer that doesn't die. It sounds it sounds quite nice. Hey, Mowards, welcome in, man. I haven't seen you around here in a long time, dude. Good to yeah, see you. Yeah, welcome. Good old Mowards. He's getting hyped about that Elden Ring DLC. I know why he's here. <laughs> I know why you're here, Mowards. You said um, Elden Ring, and he, and he appeared. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he's the one that sent me that link to that trailer earlier, and then I put it in the Discord. Aha. Uh-huh. No, no. One more build I want to talk about. This will be really quick. This isn't my build, actually. Uh, and actually, I, I'm not going to share the full details of the build because I talked to this player and they, they don't want me to share the full details of the build. <laughs> but uh, I can give the gist of it. Basically, I, I alluded to this earlier. Um, this friend of mine, he uh, he lives in an area that has really poor internet and um, he has really bad uh, connection issues, really bad performance issues, a lot of lag. Uh, he's been playing a long time. He's like CP 2000 something. Um, but because of those performance problems, he always struggles in PVP. I mean, frankly, he, you know, he struggles. Um, but recently I've noticed he's actually been doing really well, getting like really great results in battlegrounds, best I've ever seen him do. Uh, and I was talking to him and he was telling me that nothing's changed about his internet situation. He's just, uh, he's found a build that works well for him just despite that situation. Um, so I thought I would just kind of pass along this idea for a build in case someone has a performance issue like that, or if you're just looking for a build that's easy to play, you know, even if performance isn't a problem, but you just kind of want a build that's easy. Um, this is a, it's a really good one. Basically what it is, it's just a Oaken Soul single bar beam plar, uh, with vampirism. Um, and so, um, the gear kind of doesn't really matter. The gear can be, you know, this isn't the gear that my friend is using, but I mean, you could use like uh, War Maiden and Wretched Vitality, for example. That'd be perfectly great. Um, but really, any gear is fine. The important thing, I think, is the bar setup. Um, so it's uh, the Javelin, uh, Radiant Oppression, the, which is the beam, uh, Honor the Dead, your heal, um, the Mist Form, the Vampire Mist Form, and then the Vampire Bats 
Ultimate. So that'll leave you with one flex spot that you can put, you know, maybe the Living Dark Bubble or the Cleansing Circle or Anti-Stealth or another damage ability, whatever. But basically you want the Javelin, Radiant Oppression, Honor the Dead, and Mist Form, and that Vampire Bats Ultimate. And you use the Javelin as your spammable. Remember that Javelin ignores enemy resistance, so the tooltip isn't all that high, but it actually deals really good damage because it essentially has 100% penetration, uh, and of course it stuns and knocks people back as well. So that's he just he just spams that at people, and if anyone ever gets low on health, just put the beam on them. We've talked lots of times how effective just the beam all by itself can be. And so just those two things for your offensive kit, surprisingly pretty decent. Especially in a battleground where you're on a team, you know, there's other people doing other stuff and maybe you're just trying to fill that role of executioner. Works really well, plus you can heal, heal people. Uh, if someone starts focusing you, you pop into that mist form to get away. If it's a real emergency, pop the vampire ultimate. Um, kind of a, a single bar version of our buddy Uncle Sam's Beamplar build. He kind of has a similar strategy going on there. Um, so anyway, that's that's all it is. Just kind of a single bar beam plar build with the javelin and and radiant oppression and mist form. That's kind of all it is. If you yeah. just want a real easy to play build that, you know, performance isn't an issue or, you know, even if performance is totally fine and you just want to build that's easy to play, it, I've seen this get very good results in some sweaty matches. I can see that being fun to play as well. Oh yeah, it's honestly kind of trolly. Because he just kind of, he's hanging back from long range. He's just spamming that stinking javelin at people, knocking them off of ledges or knocking them into <laughs> lava, you know, all that stuff. Knock into lava. And, you know, he's, he's beaming you down and it just, you, you kind of get to a point where like, man, I'm going to get that dude. And you go for him and he pops into that mist form. And if you do get him low enough, he's going to hit that vampire ultimate and <laughs> it just all starts all over again. Starts all over. Um, but yeah, yeah, it works well for him. I feel like I got to talk about, I've been in Cyrodiil quite a bit. Like I said, I've been doing that transmute grind and um, really, really cool uh, kind of uh, situation, I'll say, is maybe the best way to describe it. But uh, I've actually been having quite a bit of fun in Cyrodiil. The performance has been pretty great and uh, it's been pretty, pretty good uh, amount of players in there. So I actually got into a group with a pretty good chunk of uh, EP players. So, you know, Siege was everywhere. Um, right. <laughs> uh, and we uh, we were kind of doing pretty well. EP was doing really good on the map. We kind of were, were pretty deep into AD territory, I would say. And um, I won't go into a whole lot of names or details, but uh, definitely a group that we're familiar with and, and uh, definitely multiple names we're familiar with. But the, the AD, and I'm talking like, Zerg. I'm talking this was had to be 40 players, 30, 40 players. Every single one of them was a werewolf. It was the most amazing <laughs> thing I've ever seen. And they're all just flying. They're all super speedy. They're all just howling like crazy. You just hear howls wherever you go. It's just it's just haunting because they're you know they're just booking it wherever they're going and Man, they they were effective, and uh, you you know you'd see one leap into the air, and then you'd see all the others just follow. They would pick their prey, and you'd just see one would leap into the air, then all the others would leap into the air, and people they would just leave just destruction in their path. And they did such a good job of they just never stopped moving. They were just a 
a stinking current of werewolves, just a river flowing. They would just they would just go through, <laughs> get their kills, go back around. Thirty you know, werewolves. Just it was. Nuts. I was insane. I've never seen yeah. that many werewolves. There was one point that it like they literally were in the tower. They went up into you know we're at a resource, and they they go up into the tower and do the strategy, and they fought up there. And I was down on the bottom, and they went up into the tower, and then they all went over the edge, like the the leader of them that they were all following went over to the edge. And I tell you, I did know it existed. Literal werewolf waterfall. I watched it. <laughs> it was a waterfall of werewolves, and they just all constantly fell off. I unfortunately was down at the bottom, caught the brunt. To tears at the. It site. was it was a beautiful sight. It was <laughs> such a cool uh, cool idea. You could tell there was a group of players that uh, they they Sounds were like having fun. they were having a heck of a lot of fun, and they were effective too. Man, they were they were taking players out. Um, it was it was neat. Uh, it was really neat to see that. But one of the one of the one of the really cool serial moments uh, that I've seen in, in quite some time. All right, if we get a 30 werewolf zerg going, I'll make a werewolf. You got to get the werewolf werewolf waterfall. The, the werewolf <laughs> waterfall is, you know, it's a true pinnacle moment in ESO. It's, you know, a real well, rarity. It's like the it's the it's the eclipse of ESO, the werewolf waterfall. Congratulations Davis for coming up with our episode title. <laughs> werewolf waterfall. Werewolf waterfall. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. I hope to see that character, that character name on somebody's. <laughs> so I'm thinking probably next for me is probably going to go back to Stamsork. I've been seeing a lot of really good Stamsorks lately and okay. I'm getting jealous. And uh, yesterday I actually jumped on mine just to like, Ooh, yeah, play some Stamsork. And it was just immediate like, ah, oh, this is nice. This is awesome. So... Probably going to return old, to Stansworth. Old Tane. Soon. You can only go so long without going to Tane. Usually, you know, Tane and Betsy. Those are the two. You can only go so long without those two. That's true. Got to have my fix. Um, all right. So I think that's just about all we have to talk about. Quick announcement. Um, so we're going to skip the next episode. We're going to take a little holiday break. So normally we'd have a, an episode two weeks from now, like the week of December 22nd. Um, we're going to skip that. So our next episode will be on January the 5th. So it's like a month from now. Um, so we're not, you know, we're not quitting the show. We're just taking somebody, a little Somebody check on breather. Grizzly. Somebody check on Grizzly. Uh, Grizzly, <laughs> here's a, here's a bonus shout out to Grizzly Khan to, to, to hold him over through the, through the holidays. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Grizzly Khan. Shout out Grizzly Khan. There you go. <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> um, so, yeah, speaking of uh, emails and shout-outs, uh, no real emails, but we did get a YouTube comment. We, I, put, I put the show up on YouTube, and uh, it's as good as an email, so we'll read that. Um, so, uh, Cycle comments. It says, hey, guys, great content. Been listening for quite some time now from here in the UK. Keep it up. Uh, and it goes on to say, in my opinion, Magplar is not dead at all. I primarily play BGs on mine and consistently top my team score, if not the BG scoreboard. I agree, dude. You, t you heard me talking about Betsy, my Stamplar earlier. She's back. Uh, or Templars, totally not dead. Uh, absolutely not. There, there may be, you know, you got to build them a little differently. Um, yep. I had, I had to kind of rethink mine and and you know of course obviously the beam plars are, are very strong as well absolutely um but 
that's you know my, mine doesn't have the beam at all and i'm actually really happy with with how she's doing so yeah thanks for thanks for commenting dude um shout out to the chat we have uh gummy bear mowards is here grizzly con mother of dragons was here earlier uh uncle sam was as well uh thank you all for being here Great yeah. to see you all uh, we have a, oh sorry what what davius i was just saying greatly we greatly appreciate it when when people are joining lives it makes it makes the show a lot more fun for us oh yeah lots of fun uh we have a guild the guild's name is stoons goons best named guild on the server and it's also the official guild of the scroll and podcast if you'd like to be a member of students goons you can send us an email at scroll at gmail.com um i also forgot to mention that you can just send us an email even if you don't want to be a member of students goons you know, just send <laughs> us an email just to say hello or uh make a suggestion for the show or anything like that uh if you want to uh, ask us a question and hear us talk about something or whatever scroll and podcast at gmail.com or if you'd like to be a member of stoons goons our guild you could write <laughs> us there and ask it for an invite and we'll get you in there if your guild roster is full no big deal we can get you into the discord and really that's where all the action's happening anyway and as far as i'm concerned anyone who's in the discord is a fully fledged goon um, so scroll and podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Rumor has it a, a couple people emailed us and they don't even know how, but they just ended up as goons. You know, they just started out with a regular email. Next thing you know, they're goons. Just happened. who was it? It was uh, it was Maddie that ended up in our Discord. It was like <laughs> you know, talking to us all the time and hanging yeah. out. And one of our one of our good friends and didn't even know we did a podcast. She's like, how, how did I even didn't end even up know in about here? scrolling? <laughs> Uh, that was, oh, that was good good stuff good stuff um so yeah um students, goons. students goons. sorry yeah. i interrupted your your plug you've got it down to a science but i had uh, my flow going that's students okay. goons best guild best guild on the server that's basically what kids say best named guild on the <laughs> server <laughs> that's what i said uh, same thing we said the uh, same thing listen we're not making any factually false statements here what's best what's the best name that's all subjective who's to say <laughs> who's to say we say that's who says <laughs> uh, davis do you have anything else i think that's it i think that's all i got all right well thank you all very much for listening we'll catch you next time <laughs>